This is the Midweeks. Hello and welcome to the Midweeks, everyone. This is Pastor Rob. It has been a long time, way too long since I have been here uh, making friends with my microphone again. But I'm back. I want to be back into this a bit more in 2019. 2018 is done. It was a roller coaster year for me and for my family. But uh, God has really proven himself faithful. God answers prayers and takes us through the difficulties. Sometimes rescues us from the difficulties, but is always there to be with us through the difficulties and to see us through the difficulties. So we just had Christmas. Christmas for our family means presents. We try not to go too present crazy, but it's still a big factor. There's grandparents, uncles. Um, We don't, as parents, try to go too crazy with the kids because that's just another thing. But, you know, it's a deal. And one of the things we notice, maybe you notice this in your life or your family, you know, presents can very easily become a source of jealousy or a source of feeling loss, or a source of feeling like something went wrong. You can get your hopes put on a present, or if somebody gets a present that you like more than your present, or one of the kids got a present that they felt was bigger, uh, it can just lead to a lot of a relational problem, a relational conflict. And this year, you know, uh, Jackie and I were doing our best to lead our kids through this kind of stuff, and and I, I think that they grew, and I think they did well in the challenges that God allowed them to have in this area. But it just really reminded me of where we are in 1 Corinthians. So 1 Corinthians, we were walking through this. I'm going to try to remember everything I've said. And if I don't, and I repeat, my, repeat myself, please forgive me. But the beginning of 1 Corinthians is trying to deal with this um, issue in the church where there's divisions forming around uh, following certain people. One person says, I follow Paul. Another person says, I follow pa- Paulus. And Paul has been trying to deal with this issue by bringing the people back to this truth. You're in Christ. And when you're in Christ, there's really nothing that can be added to you. But also, the gospel of Jesus is designed by God to undercut all human boasting and human pride. So when God came in his son Jesus, when the Father sent Jesus to be our Savior, he sent him to die cursed on the cross in a way that this, the Old Testament said Jesus is dying under cursed, as well as um, he came in a way that was foolish to the Greeks because the preaching that someone becomes right with God uh, becomes righteous before God by believing in uh, a Jewish crucified Jewish person um, who was raised from the dead. This is These are all things that just sound foolish, would have sounded really foolish to to Gentile, to the Greeks. And so the gospel was designed to undercut human pride and human boasting for everybody in the world. And so this has been the big context. And so we're going to pick up from chapter 3, verse 10, and continue to read here. And I'll just make some comments about it as this argument progresses. Paul says, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, 
wood, hair, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God. So what's going on here? So Paul is working on undercutting uh, human boasting. And you can hear that right at the end, in verse 21, where it says, So let no one boast in men. This is the big message of chapter 3 of this whole section. Let no one boast in men. Don't boast in Paul. Don't boast in Apollos. If you're going to boast, boast in the Lord. Boast in Christ. And don't be like people who have received Christmas presents and start looking over your shoulder to see who got the best one. Don't worry about what Cephas is doing. Don't worry about what Paul is doing as a way of comparing. And don't get proud saying, I believe this thing, so I'm better than you. I believe that thing, so I'm better than you. I have this wisdom, so I'm better than you. I have that wisdom, so I'm better than you. Don't get caught into this trap because everything's yours. Because everything belongs to Jesus and Jesus belongs to God. So if you're in Christ, everything's yours. Life, death, the future, all people, everything belongs to Christ. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he went to heaven and sat on the throne and inherited the entire world. And even though the world right now and large swaths of it are in rebellion to him and he hasn't redeemed the world yet by returning and creating the new heavens and the new earth, everything belongs to him by rights, by right of creator and by right of redeemer. Everything, every person even belongs to him, even the rebel. That's what makes us rebels, is that by right, Christ is the Lord of all, and we rebel against that through our unbelief and through our behavior. And so Paul is saying, look, let nobody boast in men, because every man belongs to you, and believing one person or associating yourself with this person or that person does not make you better than anybody, because everything belongs to Christ, and you're in him. But in order to get there, he's going to use this uh, temple-building metaphor. Okay, so he starts off with this foundation, and you can go back and read 1 Kings, um, where it talks about Solomon building the temple or something like that. And this is kind of the idea that Paul is thinking about. The church is the new temple of God, and workers are building this temple. And he says there is a foundation, and that foundation is Christ, Christ's uh, incarnation, Christ's crucifixion, Christ's resurrection, Christ's ascension, and current rule over the world. The foundation of the church is Christ, and there is no other foundation. If Christ isn't there, it's not the church, period. The foundation is Christ. But, he says, people are building upon that. Paul lays the foundation by preaching the gospel of Jesus, and he says other people are building on it, meaning I think in this case Apollos, or maybe the local elders and teachers and stuff. But as people work and minister in the church, it's like they're building up a temple, the temple of God, which is the people of God. And he says there's different ways that you can build up, or there's different materials that you can use to build up. And the good ones are the precious stones and the gold and the silver, 
And the not so good ones are like wood, hay, and straw. And then he switches the metaphor a little bit to talk about things getting tested by fire, which works for, um, you know, refining metal and stuff like that. I don't know how often they tested the building with fire um, when they were building the temple. I don't think there's a reference to it in the Bible. Maybe somebody says there's some sort of fire testing, but the idea being that Maybe at the end of time, at least at the end of time, Paul says, because the day will reveal it, but God tests the materials that people are building. Whether or not the building, um, the, the temple is being built up on the foundation of Jesus with precious things or with foolish things. And I think in context, what it's talking about is when people are teaching in the church, when people are acting in the church, are they being motivated by the gospel, by gospel principles, by what is precious in God's sight, which is faith and humility and love? As Paul's going to go on later to say, the only thing that really matters is faith expressing itself through love, or the love is the most important thing, even in the midst of the gifts of the Spirit. Are we building in truth and love? Or are we trying to build the church with human wisdom, which leads to boasting and division? And that would be the wood, hay, and stubble that just burns up when a fire happens. And so this is kind of the, it's the warning to the builders. You don't just build the church however you want to. You need to build on Christ, on the gospel of Christ, and build according to Christ, which is according to faith and according to hope and according to love, uh, building off the gospels by humility, not by trying to position yourself one person against another. Or if you just build the church through human wisdom, human desires, human appeals, if you try to manipulate the church for personal gain, that kind of work is going to be burned up and destroyed, and you won't get gain from it. And he says, that person's saved. So he's, he's not saying that people necessarily are lost if they build poorly in the church, but he is saying that God won't value it and it will have to be destroyed because the only thing that is going to last is Christ. This is the message of the gospel. Only Jesus is righteous and only Jesus is worthy of keeping in all of creation. And so what is in Jesus will survive the final testing of that day of judgment. Only who is in Jesus will survive that final day. And only what is built on Jesus and with Jesus and what is precious to Jesus will survive the testings of God and result in honor for the workers who worked with God in this. This is, I think, the point. And so the test for us is, how are we building? Are we building with unity? Are we building with humility based on Christ or not? And then Paul goes to add a little bit more of a really um, substantial warning. So a little bit more su- really substantial warning. What are you talking about, Rob? Well, then he says this. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? So remembering the temple of God that Solomon built and how when they dedicated it, the the glory of God descended on the temple and the cloud was there and people couldn't even sing and minister because the presence of God was so there. And he's saying, that was then, What and uh, we aren't looking towards a temple of stone now. Our temple is us. We are the temple because the Spirit of God dwells in us. And he says, if anyone destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. And so this is a real warning, again, for the people who are causing divisions in the church. He's saying, you guys are messing with God's temple. If you are going to divide the church over Paul and Apollos and your pride and your boasting, and because you want an audience and you want to appear special, if you're going to do this, God is going to come after you about it. Because his temple belongs to him and his spirit dwells in his temple. And when people bring division against God's temple, God brings a dividing into them. 
That's the warning. That's the threat. And this is a time, this is serious stuff. This is the Apostle Paul, the Apostle of Love, and he's warning Christians. He's warning people who proclaim to be Christians in the church. He's saying to them, if you guys don't knock out tearing the church apart, God's going to show up and tear you apart because this is his temple. So this is really serious, and this should put the fear of God in us. This is the whole point that Paul is saying this, that everyone who hears his words would put, would receive the fear of the Lord and say, you know what, I don't want God painting a target on my back because of how I'm behaving myself in the church and how I'm influencing the church and working in the church. I don't want to be motivated by my pride and human boasting resulting in me trying to build with wood, hay, and stubble, which is actually causing divisions in the church and have God saying, I need to get this guy out of here before he does any more damage. Yikes. But true and worth meditating on. And then so he goes on, he concludes his argument, let no one deceive himself. Now, whenever the scriptures say, don't deceive yourself, it's really our job to say, okay, I don't want to be deceived. Paul says these things when he thinks people are likely to deceive themselves about these things. That's why he says it. He says it a few times in this letter, but he says, look, people are prone to being deceived here. People are prone to think that their divisive theology and their divisive behavior and their divisive boasting in man is actually blessed by God and that they're actually doing the right thing. This is, this is the case. He's, I see it all the time. People are spreading human wisdom, which causes division in Christ's church, and they think they're doing the right thing. I see it all the time. So you, don't you be deceived. So this isn't about me going around and saying, that person's deceived, that person's deceived, that person's deceived. This is about the word of God coming to me and saying, don't you, Rob, be deceived about these things. And if you're hearing me, don't you, listener, be deceived about these things, because we tend to be deceived about it. If anyone thinks you're wise, become a fool. Okay, I want to become a fool. I want to believe God's word more than my own wisdom. I want to believe what God says instead of what my heart says. I want to believe in the humility of Christ instead of on my own desires to be strong and wise in my own eyes. And then he goes on to say how God is against merely human wisdom, not the the wisdom that comes from the Lord, but the wisdom that man sets up as being apart from the Lord. God's against it. And he overthrows it. He knows it's futile. So instead of boasting in people, just remember you're in Christ. And because everything belongs to Christ, everything in that sense belongs to you. And because you and Christ are both in God, everything belongs to God. So boast in the Lord. That's the big idea. And this is part of the argument towards this. So how do we apply this to ourselves? I I think we've been talking about it. Just I want to be humble. I want to be lifting up Jesus. I want to be grateful for people. I want to be grateful for Paul, grateful for Apollos, grateful for teachers who influence me, grateful for pastors who care for me, grateful, but not boasting in them in such a way that I feel like I'm superior to other people because I'm associating myself with these people so that I avoid spreading division in the church, which God will resist And that I instead contribute towards unity based around glorifying in Jesus and faith in him. That's the big idea. So if this Christmas you came out of it feeling sorry for yourself, let down in some way, why don't you press pause on those feelings, bring them to the Lord, 
and just rejoice that you have Jesus, who owns everything everybody got for Christmas or didn't. It's all his by virtue of his resurrection and his creation of them. And you're in him. So don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't boast in them. Be in Christ and boast in God. That is your freedom. That's your joy. So be blessed. Looking forward to being back here next week with you as we'll continue our walk through 1 Corinthians. May the Lord reveal his glory to you in all his power. Amen. Amen.